This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, a Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Katie Balls and I'm joined by James Forsyth and Isabel Hardman. Today, Boris Johnson has had to face the music. It's the first time since he was issued a fixed penalty notice, along with his wife Carrie Johnson and the Chancellor Rishi Sunak, um, that he has faced his MPs. In the chamber, Boris Johnson gave an update in which he referenced his party gate fine. James, we'll get to the questions that followed, but just in terms of Boris Johnson's original statement, it didn't dominate too much of what he was saying, did it? Yeah, he began with his apology for the fine for, uh, you know, what had happened. And then he moved very quickly on to Ukraine, which also meant that, you know, this gave Tory MPs something else to talk about. They didn't have to relentlessly talk about the fact that their prime minister had been fined for breaking the rules that his government uh, had introduced. That obviously drew some of the sting from it because they, they there was something else that they could talk about. Now, Keir Starmer talked solely about the Prime Minister's behaviour and his fine. It was one of those Commons performances which was directed straight at the Tory benches, essentially saying, what are you going to do about this? The responsibility is on you. And the Commons listened to it in, in very kind of hushed tones. There was not very much Tory heckling, which is always a sign that Tory MPs are are, are slightly uncomfortable. But I think... What was interesting afterwards was that there was, there was only one Tory MP explicitly calling the Prime Minister to go. Now, admittedly, but that one Tory MP is Mark Harper, who's a former Tory chief whip. But I think that I think if you'd offered number 10 that on the day that Boris Johnson was fine, but when he turned up in the House of Commons, there, was only, there would only be one Tory MP calling for him to go. I think they probably would have taken that. Isabel, you were sat in the chamber for um, the Prime Minister's statement. I want to talk about Keir Starmer's response, but first I just wonder, do you feel the Tory benches were particularly full when it came to MPs coming out to listen to the Prime Minister? It was quite muted in that they were uh, uncomfortable. We had Mark Harper obviously calling for Boris Johnson to go and then publishing on Twitter his uh, letter to Graham Brady calling for the vote of no confidence. And we also had Conservative backbenchers such as Natalie Elphick, Geoffrey Clifton-Brown and others praising the Prime Minister for what they described as his fulsome apology, which was quite funny because they obviously don't know what fulsome means. It means uh, saying something to an exaggerated extent that it doesn't actually appear sincere, which is not quite the right word in the circumstances if you're trying to praise your prime minister. But I think to a certain extent, it it was a sort of unwitting characterisation of what the apology actually was, uh, which was not potentially that sincere. It was a sort of, I'm sorry this has happened. Now can we please move on? And then he complained uh, that Keir Starmer had resorted to personal attacks in his words, which was sort of, I said sorry, now please don't tell me off anymore. And I'm not sure that anyone came away from that statement feeling more likely to support the Prime Minister at the end of it. There were lots and lots of holding statements from Conservative MPs who were saying things like, you know, we've got a very important international crisis to to deal with. Now is not the time to be having these, these side debates. And so has it made things worse for Boris Johnson, this particular statement? No, I don't think he offered any sort of Jimmy Savile smears or anything like that against Keir Starmer. But I also don't think that, as I say, any Conservative MPs are going to come away thinking, yeah, he's our man. 
James, what did you make of Keir Starmer's response? Um, because it was sombre and he talked about uh, those who would struggle to forgive Boris Johnson in terms of members of the public. The House was pretty silent for it. Yeah, and I think it was effective because what Keir Starmer is trying to do is he's trying to say, look, there was this great national struggle against COVID when individuals made huge sacrifices for the common good. They went against their own natural human instincts to see dying relatives and the like. And Boris Johnson was not part of that great national effort. You know, he, he, he Keir Starmer, is saying he subverted that national effort by, by breaking these rules that he himself had introduced. If Keir Starmer can succeed in doing this, what he can do is sever Boris Johnson from being able to, I mean, I think Labour's strategic hope is to be able to sever Boris Johnson from being able to talk about COVID, to talk about, you know, the furlough scheme or the vaccine rollout, to say that, you know, you know he wasn't part of this of, of this great effort. And you know, I think that, that, that's what Keir Starmer is trying to do. And I think he's also trying to use this as an opportunity to, to go after kind of Boris Johnson's own character, which is something that, that no opposition politician has previously managed to succeed in doing. You know, Labour tried this a lot in the 2019 general election campaign and it didn't work. But I think they feel that this, the fact that the Prime Minister has been uh, found by the police to have broken his own rules, they think gives them an, gives them an opening to do that. And I think that, that's what you're going to see Starmer try and do relentlessly with this story and, and keep coming back to it. And then I think the other thing you can see him trying to do is he's trying to say, if the Tory party don't remove Boris Johnson, then they're all tainted by him. And that's that's why Keir Starmer, you know, wants this vote on whether Boris Johnson misled the House of Commons or not, which is coming on Thursday, because that will enable Keir Starmer and the Labour Party to attack every Tory MP who walks through the division lobbies on the Prime Minister's behalf. And so this is this is the this is the approach that Labour are are taking and that Starmer is gonna kind of kind of relentlessly go after this issue. And I thought I thought he was right to go for a sombre tone rather than to kind of mock the Prime Minister. Because because I mean the danger is when you try and mock the Prime Minister over this issue, you risk uh making it sound trivial yourself. Isabel talk us through this vote on Thursday. Clearly Keir Starmer was using his speech to direct his comments at Tory MPs saying if you sit here and do nothing on Thursday, um, you'll be as guilty. Yeah, so that was one of the lines that Keir Starmer used was that Boris Johnson is dragging everyone else uh, down with him. And actually, that was one of the lines that Mark Harper used later in the session, that Boris Johnson was expecting his MPs uh, to defend the indefensible and that he wasn't going to do that anymore. So the motion that's going to be debated on Thursday is being tabled by the Labour Party. And it was something that the Speaker, Lindsay Hoyle, ruled was admissible this afternoon. And the purpose of it is basically to force Conservative MPs to take a position because um, lots of them have just stayed quiet uh, through most of this. And um, they have just let others criticise or support the Prime Minister. Well, this will force them to put their names you know, on, on the record as to whether they support him or not. And it will call for the Privileges Committee to look at whether the Prime Minister has misled Parliament uh, with his assurances over the past few months that no rules were broken within Downing Street. Now, if he is found to have misled um, Parliament, then that would be in contempt of Parliament um, and that would be 
a resigning matter. One of the um, things that the Conservative whips are already doing is, is, is making very clear to Conservative MPs that this is, this is basically a confidence vote uh, in the Prime Minister. And for that reason, my hunch is that it's not going to be the point of maximum commons drama on this matter, uh, not least because, as we've discussed previously on this podcast, the fine that he was apologising for in the commons today is one that it is easy for his allies to dissemble over and to start talking about, you know, it was only for nine minutes and so on and so forth. There may be other breaches of the rules which are much harder to offer these kinds of arguments on. There is still the Sue Gray report to come and we had calls today from figures such as Julian Lewis to see whether the Prime Minister had any powers to compel Sue Gray to publish her report in full as soon as possible so that MPs have all the facts before them. But the Metropolitan Police are still carrying out their investigation. We don't know how long that's going to take. They're not telling anyone about that. And they have, over the past few weeks, just dropped the fines without warning. And so we don't know whether, you know, tomorrow, tonight, on Thursday morning, for instance, they might announce more fines into subsequent events that they've now investigated. And that means that in the coming weeks, there may be further rows about other parties that are much harder to, to sort of argue your way out of. James, this is a big risk when it comes to number 10's approach, isn't it? The fact that they have gone so specific in terms of defending Boris Johnson from this fixed penalty notice, playing down the serious event, surely leaves them open to um, finding Boris Johnson in a much more vulnerable position if lots more fines come in. Yeah, and I think that he, when he made his first apology to the public on the day that he received the fixed penalty notice, he, he talked about the event. And one lawyer said to me, well, he's just created a precedent there for talking about every event for which he receives a fine. And some of them, uh, some of these events that are under investigation, I think would be more difficult to explain to the public. I think I think of all the events that the police are looking at, this is probably the one where most people can see how it happened in a not totally hostile way. I, I think the other thing that... Uh, James, why do, why, do you, um, why do you think Number 10 is adopting this approach then? Do you think they've not worked this out or do they know something we don't know? I think Number 10 under Boris Johnson has always just dealt with the problem that is immediately in front of it. It, it hasn't gone down a kind, of, a kind of game of, well, if we say this, what happens then, what happens next, kind of looking six, nine months down the track. And indeed, you could argue that that is why they have this whole motion in front ahead of them on Thursday, because Boris Johnson made some very sweeping comments in the House of Commons without having kind of carried out any great investigation to, to ascertain whether it was a, a sensible thing to say or not, or, or an accurate thing to say or not, but more importantly. And so... I think that there is a risk there. I also think that the other point that you that, that we wait to see is that I think if, I think the, the number of fines if you if you were to get more it does become more difficult because you know I think one can be considered unfortunate more than that than that does become definitely does become more difficult for him. Isabel just finally is it safe to conclude that Boris Johnson is safe for now? Probably for the next few days, but beyond that, I, I, I mean, you know, safe in the sense that I, I doubt there's going to be a vote of no confidence in him in in the next week. But as we've said, there's a lot of Conservative MPs who are just offering holding lines at the moment, and uh, the local elections will be uh, one of the next big challenges as well. I, I think just to pick up on one thing Isabel said, Katie. 
talking to Tory MPs, I've been struck by how many have talked about, you know, councillors being out in the field and this not being the right moment. There is an element here that they are not just looking, waiting on the local elections to see how the public have reacted. But there is also a belief that, you know, there is almost kind of ingrained in an MP's psyche is that at election time you you close ranks. And so I I think that there'll be a limit to how much we see from Tory MPs uh, until the polls close in the local elections. Thank you, James. Thank you, Isabel. And thank you for listening.